Now, welcome to episode two of our chat with Wayne Pierce for LawPod, Bryden's Lawyers. Now, I think Blocker was proposing to host one of the tour over to England for the Kangaroo Tour this year. Would it have been safe for us to have gone on that with Block, you think? Block's, yeah, it'd be interesting, actually. Yeah, he loves to chat. He'd be good. If, if, if he ever runs a tour, I'd, I'd suggest anyone out there that wants to go, make sure you get one on one of Blocker's tours. You'll have a good bodyguard as well. No one will pick on you. I can assure you that. No, that's very true. Speaking of the injuries as we did, leads us into what's happening today, of course. There just seems to be such a prevalence of serious orthopedic type injuries, the ACLs and the like. Why is that happening? I mean, this year's been a very unusual year for a number of reasons. You know, the season was stopped. And because the season was stopped after the players had got into peak condition, there was a period where they had they only had a three-week window to get back into peak fitness after um, not training for a month or so. Then, you know, I think that, that sort of played into the injury issue. There was also the fact that players uh, and, and clubs, when they travelled, they weren't allowed to travel the day before, so they travelled to a game, back home from a game, and which meant that injury treatment was not, we're not able to detail the treatment on a plane, for example, that you would normally get if you didn't have to do that sort of travel. There was also, you know, the rules changes, the six again rule sped the game up, which has been great for the fans, but I think the players need probably a little bit more fitness in, in the speed of the game. There's, there's just a whole lot of factors, I think, played into it. And that's something which is being reviewed by us at the um, the NRL, what we can do to, to minimise the risk next year. Okay. Well, that's the orthopaedic type injury. Now, the other injury, of course, that's captured a lot of attention is the concussion. Is it more prevalent today than before, at your day, or is it just that we're more aware of it today? Yeah, I think there's just the awareness there. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I got concussed a few times in my career and, you know, you got shook up a little bit and played on. It didn't really come to the attention of, of, of the fans or... or anybody uh, other than the, the the trainer that ran on the doctors didn't even come on back in those days unless you got really really badly knocked out mm. so yeah i think it's 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 more highlighted and i think it's great the way that that um it, it, it is now being addressed as in you know, you've got to pass a particular test to get back well firstly you've got to come off the field mm. then secondly you've got to pass a test to go back on the field there's a debate and argument around the efficacy of the tests all we can do as, as custodians of the game is is look at the, the, the best available information, what's the best protocols to use, and that's what's being used. Yeah, look, I don't think there's any doubt that the perception is that the NRL is doing everything it possibly can to protect the welfare of these players. You have to be guided, of course, by the expert medical advice that you have available to you, but I, I, I think the NRL should be applauded for what they're trying to do, it's particularly in this area of concussion. You need to look after, after these boys. Well, when, when, when the, for example, this research came out about the um, the CTE, we we banned the shoulder charge immediately mm. because the shoulder charge was one particular type of tackle that had massive G-force imp- implications for, for the brain. So we, we banned that straight away and we've put a whole lot of measures into place to to reduce the risk to players. We are in the midst of State of Origin season, of course. You had a, an illustrious career, of course, captaining New South Wales to its first ever clean sweep against Queensland in 1986. Everyone that I speak to, Wayne, tells me how Origin is different and how it's different. There's no doubt that it was. Has it has it still got the same aura, do you think, as it, as it did when it first started? I mean, does it still capture the imagination of the public as it did when you were playing? Yeah, I think this year's a bit different because it, it's, it's been played in, a, in an unusual time slot because of the COVID issues. We couldn't fit it in during the middle of the season. I think the, 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 the first state of origin 
in my opinion, I was over there. It didn't have the intensity of, of your usual origin. But once again, I think that's because of just the nature of where it was played. The last game did because it was a, a potentially series deciding match. And I have no doubt tonight's game will be super intense. Mm. But yeah, I don't think that, that it's, it's lost its, its, its luster. I think we will go back to the mid-year playing of the origin next year. I think that would be a logical thing to do. Playing origins a week apart is is a bit too intense on the players because it is it is when you talked about what's what makes origin different it's faster it's it's more physical and the build-up is a lot more stressful for players than your normal club games so when you say some people are origin players and some aren't there's been over the years the, the code is littered with names of players that have been great at club level and they just haven't stepped up at, at origin level and that's really a a, a blend of players not uh, handling the pressure, not handling the speed of the game, and not handling the the, the physicality of the game. Now, I think it was Josh Adokar who said recently that playing Origin this year in November is like playing four grand finals in a row. It's, it's I mean, incredibly difficult, obviously, to get yourself up mentally and physically for that. Well, the, the Origins that, that are played during the middle of the year, you know, a couple of weeks apart, the ones that we're playing at the moment, they're, they're only one week apart because of the nature of the season. And it takes at least 10 days to get over mm-hmm. an Origin. So players are backing up not fully not fully recovered mentally and physically from the previous game so it, it is really it really is a battle of attrition is there anything that you think that we've learnt from this year's scheduling for next year that we can take out of this year in terms of the scheduling i don't know there's too much there but i think in terms of the the game on field i think we what's worked really well has been the one one ref and the six again those two go together i think um Six against really sped it up, uh, and, and also the captain's challenge. I think has been been a, a really a really positive shift and positive move as well. I know there was a lot of resistance by some to the suggestion of only having the one referee, but it seems to have worked out fine. There's no dramas, and you've got the bunker there as a backup. The six again has sped up the game, and it's interesting to see how some clubs have responded to it better than other clubs. But I think by the end of the season, everyone pretty much got their head around it. It's obviously here to stay. Yeah, well, I mean. It is here to stay because you know, the, the fans, we, we've, we've done polls and 75, 80% of fans think it's just, it's been a, a, a massive step forward. What it's done, it's eliminated the wrestle and the wrestle was for me, and I'm passionate about rugby league, it, it, was, it was a blemish on the game. And it's really eliminated that. Now players are conscious and worried about giving six again, particularly once you get past the second tackle. They don't want to go back to zero tackle because it's a huge advantage to the opposition. Mm. All right. Well, that's your footballing career and your thoughts on the game. But away from the game, you were recognised in 1988 with the awarding of a Medal of the Order of Australia. How significant was that? Yeah, I mean, that was, in, that was actually during my, my playing career. and was, It was quite interesting at the time because I, I was so focused on, on my footy that I didn't realise the magnitude of what I'd, I'd received at the time. But then when I retired from footy and I reflected on, on my career, I thought, you know, that's one of the most honourable achievements that anyone can get. And, and I actually achieved it during my footy career, actually at a, in the bicentennial year, which for me was, was pretty special. So it was, uh, it was something that, yeah, I've, I look back on now and I'm very, very proud of that. And that would have been recognition, of course, what you did on and off the field. Yeah. Because yeah. that led to you becoming the inaugural winner of the Ken Stephen Medal, of course. In what year was that? That was in, that was the same year. Okay. Yeah, so that was the same year, 1988. So Ken Stephen Medal is, is for services to the game and the community. 
So it's basically what, what you can do, what you do to help the community and, and, and help people outside of the game. So for me, I was doing a lot of work with students uh, in schools that are, that are disadvantaged and that for me was very, very satisfying and it's something that, you know, I, once again, I, I, I take a lot of pride in, in that award as well. Well, let's talk about Wayne Pearce away from football. We know that when you retired, of course, that you end up coaching and you were the first coach of the West Tigers in 2000. But you've done a lot off the field, of course. You continue with your education, psychology and education degrees and the like. Tell us about that. What prompted that? What drove that? Why the interest in those areas? And what have you done with that? those qualifications? When my father died, I had a mentor who, who inspired me. In fact, I wanted to be a, a telecom technician. That was what that was what I wanted to do when um, before my dad died. You know, so for me that was that was the was, dream. That was, was that, a dream job. Was that, that PMG? Yeah, that, yeah, it was actually. It was yeah, PMG, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, but nowadays that's Telstra, mm-hmm. and it was you know, fixing up phone lines and all that sort of stuff. And but that was what I, what I wanted to do. And then when my dad died, my mentor sort of he sort of spent spent a bit of time with me and got me thinking beyond what that was and then one of the things he got me got my head around was going to university because he reminded me that Gough Whitlam had come in just a couple of years before and made it free for anyone to go to university which meant that in a pretty poor household where, where, where I grew up in that I didn't have to worry about paying for university and no one in my extended family had really gone to uni so having thought about going to uni it was about what should I do so anyhow I looked at doing something that that would would help me because I wanted to be at that particular point I was having my mindset on, on wanting to be a, a rugby league player and playing for the Balmain Tigers so I, I wanted to do something that would assist in that space so I did a science degree at New South Wales Uni and I did a diploma of education the science degree I did psych undergrad psych I did a bit, a bit of biochemistry as well and for me it was really helpful to get my head around the science of preparation which is that's what started my appetite for trialing a whole lot of things that no one had done so for example i, I then started looking at diet i started looking at at the psychology of, of mindset and, and preparation i started also looking at doing weights because back then there was a bit of a belief in rugby league that if you did heavy weights it would slow you down but I was looking at the, the best sprinters in the world and they were massively solid and doing lots of weights. I'm thinking, this doesn't make sense. So the university study supported me and gave me more confidence to try a whole lot of things that others weren't, other people weren't trying. Okay. And so that's led on now that you've got your own business? Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah, so 20 years ago, I, I, I finished coaching at the West Tigers and I moved into a space where I took the lessons that I'd learned over the years at the West Tigers and the and Balmain Tigers as a player and a coach, pretty much around teamwork and, and peak performance. So for me, there was gaps in business in particular around teamwork. Most businesses don't do teamwork very, very well. They, they understand it's important, but they don't really don't know or don't have a framework for that. So what I've done over the years is, is refined and developed a, a set of tools and techniques that can help businesses become their best by addressing the core principles and fundamentals of teamwork. And it's not going down and playing lawn bowls day or doing a ropes course together. That's That builds a bit of spirit, but it's not going to improve your teamwork sustainably. So, yes, yeah, so I've, I've been working in that space for 20 years, consulting with a whole range of businesses, including your business, Lee, well, over I was, the years. I was going to say, Wayne, I can look back favourably on that weekend seminar that we did, and we're probably overdue to do another one given the turnover in staff since that time. So it's something yeah. we should talk about. Yeah, yeah, no. So it's it's. I love what I do. It's it's fantastic. I, 
I also do a lot of work with the education system now as well, running programs for in professional learning for, for teachers across the system. And, um, yeah, it's just it's, life's good. But you were doing something in the prisons, weren't you, at one time? Yeah, I still, I still do a bit of work with the corrective services and juvenile justice. It's, um, yeah, it's, I mean, look, what I like about my, my job is, and my role is that it's, it's very diverse. And I still have... I still have a, an active role on the Australian Rugby League Commission as well, which that was that was something that I that I've been doing now for eight years, and um, I headed up the Project Apollo program this year. Okay. All right. Well, the final subject matter, of course, will be our beloved West Tigers. Now, it's no mystery to anyone that we haven't enjoyed semi-final success or any success now for quite some time since 2011. I think we can all readily identify the reasons for same. But what what is the essence of a successful rugby league club i mean what what do we need to do you think to get us back on track i mean we've got a nrl premiership winning coach now Maguire. we've got a roster that's being refined all the time and i think improving but it does take a little bit of time doesn't it to transition yeah it does i, I think what we've got now is we, we've got the, the framework to for success i mean we've got you as chair we, we've got uh, Maguire as coach, we've got a, uh, Justin as a great CEO, and we've got people in positions of power that they're going to take us forward. The board is supportive of the management team. What, what what we've got, in my opinion, what we've got to do is we've got to shore up strategically the pipeline of players coming through. If you don't have a pipeline of players coming through, as a club, you're going to have patchy success. The clubs that have that have ongoing success have strong pipelines of players coming through, and I, I look to like the Melbourne Storm. You know, they don't have a lot of locals down there, but they have got great recruitment and pathway programs that extend, like for example, throughout Queensland. And you look at Penrith this year in the grand final again. Penrith have got a great junior league, and they've got a whole lot of young guys coming through. We at the West Tigers have got two outstanding junior leagues with a whole lot of talent but what we're doing is we're losing that talent to other clubs and not identifying the right talent so for me it's it's great to have have a it right at the top level but if you don't have the players coming through then you you, you really you're going to miss the boat and you're going to pay the price so you know i think it's really important that we with these young guys that we've got coming through that we make sure we we continue to develop them but also make sure that we retain the right players because then you're actually going to you're going to have a sustainable club long term and it's not as though we don't have a big a big catchment area we have got a big catchment area but the players are, are escaping that net and going to other clubs which shouldn't be the case if we're doing it right no i agree with you wayne one of the areas that we've identified where we need to pay more attention is the junior pathways programs i mean just our catchment area extends from leichhardt via Lidcombe into Liverpool and mm. Campbelltown and Camden beyond but not only that we're also are now identifying that we need to do a lot more work in the indigenous space and we're doing that and we're developing relationships with a lot of indigenous communities and the likes but you're right the pathways I mean uh, they, they are the future of that club and they really need the, to the other one Lee, the other one Lee too is is I think there's a huge opportunity not just for the West Tigers but for rugby league to catch the 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 immigrants that are coming to the country you know there's been hundreds and hundreds of thousands of immigrants over the last 10 years coming into Sydney and are we really capturing them in the game that we love, the game that they could embrace to be part of the Australian culture? And, and a lot of those people come into this area, into, the, into the, the West Tigers Junior League, particularly the West Junior League area, out this way. Well, agreed. George Paponis, of course, Greek. The Dorjalas, then the, the Robbie Farrers, El Masri's and the like, who really broke into that, that ground. 
But, um, for example, let me ask you this rhetorically. Why are there no Asian players? Well, Asian, Indians. Indians. You know, yeah. there's... there's um, Huge there's, contingent out here. That's right, yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's that's something that, that head office mm. at the NRL, we're, we're doing a lot of work on how we get better better get our participation programs catching those type of people. Well, I've got no doubt that if the NRL focuses on these areas, it will be incredibly successful, just as you have focused on the women's game, and look how successful that's been. Yeah, yeah. well, women's game's going gangbusters. I mean, the, the game the other night, I don't know if you saw the State of Origin women's game, outstanding spectacle, and, and it's great. It's great for the code. One of my favourite rugby league players to watch, Wayne, is that Bovetti Welsh. Male or yeah. female, she yeah. is just incredible. The, the vision that girl has... And the talent and the skill set. Uh, uh, very few players that I will just turn on the TV just to watch the individuals, but she's one of them. Yeah, and seems to have time as well, mm. and that's the mark of, of a good player. So, yeah, there's, um, there's some really good talent out there. Absolutely. Uh, look, Wayne, for me, this has been incredibly enjoyable. Thank you very much for the opportunity of sitting down and having a chat with you. Thanks, Lee. It's great to, great to be here. It's great to, to share your enthusiasm for, for life and for, um, for sharing stories of, of success with people. Yeah, and on behalf of Brian's Lawyers, let me give a personal and ringing endorsement to Wayne Pierce Advantage. For any businesses out there that do want to take advantage of Wayne's expertise in these areas, do so. You will not regret it. So that's the end of another Law Pod episode for Brian's Lawyers. Thank you again for listening. If there is any particular subject matter that you would like us to address, please do not hesitate to contact us at lawpod at and follow us on all of our social media platforms, whether that be Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Do you have all of those, Wayne? Do you have the Facebook page or no? Twitter, I'm, not, I'm, not huge, I'm not a huge. I'm not a huge social media person. Yeah. My my refer- my endorsements usually come from people to people, not, not from social media. Fair. Well, look, let me tell you, it took me a long time. I got dragged kicking and screaming into this modern world. Let me tell you. But I, as I say, I'm now a convert, and I understand the importance of social media, good or bad. So thank you all again for listening. I'm Lee Hedgeman Tellers for. Brighton's lawyers.